On today's episode of Me, You, and Who, we are talking with Holly Smith. She's an escalation specialist at Progeny Inc., which is a fertility benefits management company. Holly entered the fertility world when she decided her senior year in college to be an egg donor. She has since gone on to do six cycles and is now a mom herself. We got to hear more about Blake, Holly's sweet son, who unfortunately passed away at four months old. We are so grateful to Holly and sharing her story, as well as words of encouragement for any parent who has experienced loss. So please enjoy our conversation with Holly. Me, you, and who? Who knew it would take more than two people to have a baby? In a world where infertility is no longer a taboo topic, this podcast will take you through all the different aspects of surrogacy and egg donation through the lens of many who walk this journey in different ways. My name is Whitney Hall, and I am a two-time surrogate, now turned surrogacy coordinator for Egg Donor and Surrogate Solutions, the very agency I used when I chose to carry for two amazing families. With this podcast, it is our goal to help guide and support you as you learn about what it takes to grow a family in an alternative way, as well as hear inspiring and beautiful stories of how this path has changed lives forever. We can't wait for you to hear about just one more way happy families are created every day. I really do appreciate it. It's so funny because I started at Egg Donor and Surrogate Solutions, I think maybe like a few months or a year after you had left. So you and I just kind of like missed each other. And I just kept hearing about, oh, Holly, Holly. She sounds wonderful. So Aww. I'm excited. Thank you. Please get to meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice to meet you too. Okay, so tell me about just how did egg donation even come into your world? Yeah, yeah. So um, being an egg donor, like my senior year of college, I was kind of just like, I want to do something like super meaningful with my life. And like something that's going to be super impactful for someone else, at least Mm -hmm. like one other person. And I was going to school to work with children with autism. And so um, I knew like my career path would help me with that. But I wanted to do like something else, something additional. And that's when I kind of started like looking into that sort of stuff. Um, My mom had spoke to me about how she was interested in egg donation whenever she was about my age. But um, it wasn't like as well known back then. And you know, and so she never went through with it. And so her and I just kind of got to talking about it and I started doing my research on it. And, um, we just, I just found, I like was looking up reputable agencies, found egg donor solutions and started the process. And so, um, I was very fortunate to get matched very quickly and, um, from there just took off. And so it was wonderful. I really, my hopes to get matched were very low. I'm like, oh, this is probably like a one in a million shot to get matched. Mm-hmm. So I tried to keep my hopes low, but I, it happened so fast. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is really happening. This is so exciting. Um, my boyfriend at the time, husband now, um, we had moved in together right after I graduated college. So, um, and we knew that we were going to be getting married and engaged soon and stuff. So I made sure that, you know, he was supportive of my decision as well, which he was, his family was, my family was super supportive. So it just, it all worked out so amazingly. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's so much to unpack there because you're the first person that I've heard of where 
someone of like our previous generation knew about egg donation and was interested in it. And like, I, now I just want to talk to your mom. Cause I want to be like, Oh my gosh, tell me because it, it, it was such a taboo topic. And I, I think it's yeah. still she didn't kind have the of internet. Like she couldn't just right. like Google something. Exactly. Yeah, How does she know about egg donation? I honestly am not sure. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so I couldn't tell you to be honest. She was yeah. like a mom. So she, um, I mean, she had me when she was only like 21 or 22. So she was a very young mom. And so she was more with it, but I don't know how she found out about it. That's so fascinating. So what was that conversation like between you two and maybe just like, how was she kind of so supportive watching you, you know, have this dream come to fruition that was once hers? Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, I mean, I just like brought it up to her one day. I'm very open and very close with my family. And I was just like, you know, I want to do this. I want to be, do something meaningful. Like I'm not using these eggs right now. Like, you know, there's so many families out there that could use them and have their children with them. And she was just like, that's amazing, Holly. Like I wanted to do that whenever I was your age, I looked into it and never went through with it. And, um, and so, yeah, she just, she was so happy and so supportive of that. Oh. Um, and she trusts me. She knows that I'm a very like diligent person. I research everything. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very like on top of my stuff. I wouldn't just do it just to do it. Like I have my yeah. reasons behind it. And so they, both her and my father were super trusting of that and like knew that I had done my due diligence to make sure that this is something that I would be a good fit for. Yeah. yeah. I think that helped too. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So what was that research process process like for you? I mean, you, we did, we do have Google, thank goodness, but yeah. So what, what, what were kind of your checklist? What were you looking at? What made you want to do an agency versus maybe independent or, you know, Amazing. matching? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think my process was whenever, cause I did come across a lot of like places I was like, mm, I don't know. I'm not going to lie. This sounds like really strange. I think I looked at like, do their websites look nice? Like I would That's go nice. to these like websites and be like, do they look like they've got their stuff together based on how their website looks? Cause you can tell, you know, you can tell like how much effort people put into their, I guess like internet face versus, yeah. you know, and so that was kind of like a first thing for me. I kind of narrowed the list down from there. And then from there I went in and like looked up, different forums that I found of people talking about different agencies and then looked up like reviews online of different agencies and things like that. And I loved that um, Egg Donor Solutions was like very more of like a smaller agency, I guess. Um, and so like it was very one-on-one, -on -one, very personalized. I knew that, I knew I wanted to be matched with a family to do this. Like I didn't want to just do the egg bank route. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to be like donating to a family that chose me to donate to them and go through that for them. So, yeah. Yeah. So ultimately it was you, the family aspect of it was really super important to you. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. So what was your, uh, now how many times have you donated? Six. Six times. Okay. Yeah. So what was that first time like? Yeah. The first time was, um, nerve-wracking and I actually had my cycle canceled um during meds because I wasn't responding to the stem meds like they had expected but then we restarted and it was great after that yeah. and so that was kind of like I didn't at the time understand a lot of what that meant and what was going on 
um it kind of worried me a little bit but then like I mean my coordinator took good care of me kept me in the loop of everything They're like nope we're just going to restart you on your next cycle it's going to be fine this can happen sometimes to first-time donors you know just because they don't know how your body is going to respond sure. and so um we went through the second stem cycle and it was totally fine from there um we went through my retrieval i did that cycle i got to travel for all six of my cycles so that was really cool um that so i did that cool. first cycle in memphis um which i'm from st louis missouri so it's just a short little um trip down there but yeah so it was really it was nerve-wracking like i said but i think that wasn't my favorite cycle but it was <laughs> a good like stepping stone cycle sure what was your favorite cycle um i think my san diego cycle i got to donate for a family in san diego that was definitely my favorite cycle my favorite place to travel to um that is an open communication cycle so me and that family are actually have communication we um they we follow each other on facebook honestly and we are able to and that was like agreed upon between us myself and them and my yeah. husband and like all of us and so um they write letters to us we write letters to them and so i love that oh that's great so oh, yeah. at what point so your first cycle was a closed cycle or anonymous cycle yeah they all were and except for the they one. all were except for the san diego one yeah yep okay have you registered are you on the donor sibling registry yes yep oh wow have you found out about any um pregnancies from your cycles um not through that just oh, like okay. from reported um positive pregnancies from and sometimes the parents will report like the sex of the baby or positive mm -hmm. live births from um Callie from the co coordinator I had yeah so, oh yeah. that's so exciting yeah, yeah. I'm so open to any communication they want to give me and I'm totally um comfortable with you know their limits on that as yeah. the intended parents so yeah absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely how has that been with so uh, your your husband then boyfriend he's going through this mm -hmm. did anything you know you you did the one time and then was he like okay wait we're doing this again like what was kind of those conversations like <laughs> uh, yeah it was just kind of like well I got matched the first time and then whenever they called me for a second cycle I was just like okay let's do it again that was easy enough <laughs> and i told him and he was just like okay <laughs> i mean okay. he's kind of like with my parents like he trusts me he knows that like i'm gonna do my due diligence he's super supportive and just very much like you do you i got your back you know yeah, so, yeah. which i think is super important for a donor to have that support or a support system like that um because if you don't you know then that makes a lot of conflict for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. What was your what was your favorite part about being a donor? Oh my gosh, definitely the um well with the family that I'm in communication with. Yeah. I love seeing their children's pictures. I oh. think that that is so sweet. I love hearing about them, how they're growing up. I love all of that. Um aside from that, and just like obviously the other families that had pregnancies as well and live births, um traveling was one of the coolest parts i got to go to a lot of places i wouldn't have normally just gone to yeah so that was a super amazing um opportunity for me my husband got to come with me my parents came with me one time when my husband couldn't and so that was really cool that is really cool mm -hmm. 
Did at any point in time during your research and, you know, did, did you ever worry about your own fertility? No. No. What made you so sure? My research. (laughs) (laughs) My research. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I mean, I looked up, you know, like peer reviewed journals and things like that. And so I didn't just like follow any sort of like random Google forum. Like I did like looked up like scientific evidence, evidence-based practice that this does not affect your fertility. And also like they do the testing prior to make sure you would be a good candidate. And if you're not a good candidate, they're not going to let you move forward with it. Like if your fertility Mm -hmm. is already maybe not wonderful, or they might have some sort of concerns about your own future fertility, they won't let you move forward with it. And that was really um, comforting to know. Yeah, that's definitely reassuring. Yeah. Well, so since then, so you had all six cycles. When was your last cycle? What year? Um, 2019 or 18? 2019 or 18? No, 2018. 2018. 2018. Okay. Oh my gosh. So exciting. And since then you've become a mama. How many babies do we have? Yeah, I have three children um, and I have... My son, Blake, he um, he passed away at four months old. He had a very rare genetic abnormality. And then we've since had two daughters. And so we had three children in less than two and a half years, very quickly. You are busy. Yes, very busy. <laughs> yeah. So our oldest, um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Elena, she just turned two. And my youngest <gasps> daughter, Avery, is turning one in like 10 days. Oh my goodness. You really are busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Can you tell us more about Blake and, you know, how your family just celebrates him? Oh yeah. Yeah. We celebrate him a lot. He is not a taboo subject in our home. Um, so with Blake, we, and you would think like going through the egg donation cycle, you learn so much about yourself and like your own health, your genetics so much. And so, like, I was very, you know, like, no issues going into pregnancy. My pregnancy was beautiful with him. So easy. So wonderful. My birth and labor, just a breeze. Like, perfect. Yes. Like, literally could not have gone out. Like, it just went off without a hitch. It was amazing. Um, It wasn't until the next day we had found out that he he had some bruising on his body, they thought, because of such a quick delivery. But then we... um, tested his blood and saw some abnormalities kind of going on in there. Um, the disease that he had, they tested my husband and I for it. Neither of us carry it. It was something that just like randomly mutated um, within Blake. And so it's called an autosomal dominant gene is how they, the spontaneous mutation, that's what it's called. And so, cause it was not nothing that, um, or not anything that we had to report back actually to intended parents about sure. that I had donated for. And because it was such a rare, spontaneous thing, it wasn't something that I gave him or my husband gave him. Um, so he passed at four months old in four days. Um, and he fought super hard. We were very fortunate that he was able to come home during some of his life. Um, we celebrate him all the time. We're constantly doing things. We, I mean, if you, walk through my home, you'll see his pictures everywhere. There's all of his pictures over here um, <laughs> on our shelves and behind me. I mean, you would not know that he's not physically here with us. Um, 
we, for his birthday, we always have family over. We do like a big family dinner. Um, we go out to the cemetery almost every week, about every other week or so at least. Now with daughters, it's a little bit more like every other week sure. with how little they are right now. But they know him. My daughter, Elena, she'll point to his pictures and say, Baba, love you, Baba. And it's just so sweet. And we um, collect a lot of things to donate to the hospital every year on his birthday. So we'll donate to the hospital that took care of him. And we donate things that we saw that they needed while we were there. So we would see like they needed more baby toys, more baby clothes to help with parents, things like that. And so throughout the year, we, you know, we buy those things or have other people that we know that are wanting to join in on this, doing this, buy those things, give to us. And at, every year on his birthday, we take a whole carload of that stuff up to the hospital and donate. Um, so that's kind of how we celebrate him on his birthday, which I think is super special. I have my best friend who was also one of his nurses in the hospital as he was um being taken care of there she every year on his birthday goes and donates platelets which is a big thing he had to get platelets all the time when he was in the hospital um because his plate that was kind of what started everything his platelet disorder or his platelet levels were extremely low and that's why his bruising was really bad and so every year she goes and donates platelets in honor of him um we do a lot for him so his Angel anniversary is coming up here soon on the 7th of April. That day's a little bit harder to get up and going and doing things right now, but we're hopeful in the future to make that day a little bit more of a celebration of him as well. It's just a little hard and heavy still at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. What, as you were going through it, just as a parent, what was comforting for you during that time? Hmm. I don't it was very well, difficult. Maybe nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Not much. I mean, it was comforting just to be able, because this was also when COVID was starting oh in gosh. March. Yeah. March of 2020. And so they kicked out our families. Only my husband and I could be at the hospital. We had to fight for even two of us and not just one of us to be able to stay there. We, um, so the only time our family got to come up was the end of life. Um, the day that he was passing away. Um, so we had a hard time being comforted. Honestly, what was comforting was the team taking care of him. His nurses and doctors were amazing. We like owe them so much, I feel like, and we're still in contact with them. We are friends with them on Facebook. We like, they will reach out to us randomly, check in on us. Like, it's just the love that they had for my son and for me and my husband is just amazing. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the way they treated us. It was just like so amazing. I feel like I owe them everything. Mm -hmm. They did everything they could for him and everything they could for us. And I, they were super comforting. Even during the hard times, they would, I mean, the one doctor, she would sit there and hold my hand during these meetings. And like, she was just I owe her so much. I mean, they were just all so wonderful. And yeah really gave us a sense of like comfort and a sense of um like you're not alone in this even though it was like the worst obviously most horrible thing in the world but they were super helpful yeah have you as you've gone through your grieving process what have been just some of the ways that you've found you know your own just way of 
moving forward. You honor him. Listening to those ways that you celebrate him is beautiful. Is there anything else that you personally do for you just as a mom? Yeah. So my husband and I, we do still go to a grief counselor when we can. Um, We started going right after Blake passed away. And it was actually a counselor with one of the, his hematologists that he would go to as an outpatient while he was home with us. Their um, center, it's just for children, and had a family counselor on staff that was free and available to all families there. And so we get to see him. Yeah, it's he's amazing. He's just like our family now. And so we go to him whenever we can or whenever we we start off like almost every week. And now it's every couple of months or so. And um, I mean, he's that's just so helpful for us to talk through things. We have always said that, you know, we will not keep him taboo. We will say his name. His pictures will be up. Um, So, like, I have a whole, like, photo album of him. Me and my daughter will sit down and look through it, and she'll point him out in the different pictures. And I think that's helpful for me. I like talking about him. Sometimes it's hard to talk about him, but I definitely enjoy talking about him and remembering him. I asked a friend of mine who... um, had lost a brother. It would have been her older brother, kind of a similar situation. He was only three months old. And I asked her what she wished her mom would have done. Like as a sibling, what do you think your mom could have done differently to like talk to you about your brother that you had lost? And cause she never met him. And she said, I, her mom kind of kept things in and kind of shut things down. And so I think that, um, you know, having that feedback from her helps me to kind of cater my wants for how we talk about Blake in our home and especially to his sisters. Um, Cause I don't want that. And she said that she wishes her mom didn't do that. She wishes her mom would have talked more about her brother or had his pictures up in the hallways and things like that. And mm-hmm. I said, so that was really helpful. Um, and we kind of hold on to that as well. What great resources to have. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. How was your pregnancy with the girls after mm-hmm. experiencing the loss of Blake? Yeah, terrifying. Um, yeah. <laughs> we got pregnant. So we were trying for Blake, and we got very lucky, and we're so blessed that we did not have to try long for Blake. Um, with Elena, our oldest daughter, we got pregnant with her, surprisingly only two months after Blake passed away. So we were not trying either. Um, She was a total great surprise. I call her, um, she is our saving grace. So she just like, Mm. you know, she helped us to keep wanting to move forward. And cause it's just, it's impossible as a parent to lose a child, you know, you don't want to be here. You you have horrible thoughts all the time. And she helped us to move forward for sure. she gave us a good like reason to get up out of that in the mornings. Um, it was still scary though, because we had planned if we were to have more children, we were gonna do IVF so we can do the um, PGT, the genetic testing of the embryos prior to make sure, sure that the embryos were all healthy. Um, and so that was our plan. And we um, got pregnant with her surprisingly. So then we <laughs> had to go through um, the amniocentesis test. And so where they um, test the baby while she's in my stomach at 16 weeks old, and that was uncomfortable. And that was scary waiting for those results, but everything came back fine. And so we felt very confident. Of course, there's still like, 
kind of this looming like gray cloud over me during out throughout the pregnancy, just thinking something bad's gonna happen or whatever. But everything went well. My, I mean, I am blessed in easy pregnancies. I'm blessed in easy um, labor and deliveries, and so everything went well with her. Um, then, to like, Lena was only like five months along. We found out we we're pregnant with Avery, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, Tyler!" <laughs> I think I threw the stick at him. I'm like, look at this. <laughs> so all three of my children are 14 months apart to the day. To the day. Oh, like, my not gosh. planned. So Blake was December 3rd. Elena is February 3rd. Avery's April 3rd. And to the day, like, total coincidence. And so um, we found out we were pregnant with Avery. Because the same thing. We knew we wanted another one after Elena. And we were sure. like, IVF. For sure this time. For and sure just, this time. Yeah. So <laughs> we didn't. So we did the amniocentesis again. Everything was healthy. Um, she ended up coming two weeks early. And so that's why she was born on the 3rd. Her due date wasn't until the 17th. And she was born on the 3rd because I got coleostasis with that pregnancy. And it kind of came out of nowhere um, during my 37th week. And so I called them at like 37 and no, right on 38 weeks, I called them that morning because I had all these weird symptoms going on. I didn't know what it was. And they're like, oh my gosh, you've got to come in. We're inducing you right now. I'm like, okay, sure, let's do it. And so that was fine. Oh, that was, I, she was the quickest delivery for sure. Um, sure. Everything went fine. So yeah, but that was a little scary in that moment because the only side effect of a cholestasis is harm to the baby and so that was a little scary but everything we took care of it in a very nice quick fashion and everything ended up being okay yeah okay so for our listeners who don't know can you explain what coleosynthesis sorry coleosynthesis is i can't say yeah that. no that's okay coleostasis it's um and honestly, I'm not 100%. It's something with your liver. So okay. make sure liver enzymes um, become your regular. Mine were doubled what they should have been. Mm. And like the symptom I had for that was my hands and feet were so itchy. Like out of wow. nowhere, I could not stop itching myself. And I thought like, this sounds so crazy. I thought like I had dry skin for some reason. I went to the store. I bought like hand masks mask I'm like I'm making myself sure. a little pedicure a day. yeah <laughs> yeah but it was so bad that I couldn't sleep at night so then oh I start going down like the internet rabbit hole and I'm like uh -huh. why are my like 38 <laughs> weeks pregnant why are my hands and feet itching thinking it's some like weird tall tale sign of like um labors on the way yeah well, sure yeah. And then it I was. see the liver stuff. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I see the liver stuff and they're like, call your doctor immediately. And so I called the on-call nurse because this was like 4 a.m. And I called the on-call doctor and he's like, uh, yeah, you need to come in as soon as you can. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so we had to, you know, I packed up my bag and I went in and they did my levels and everything was wacky. So they're like, yep, you're staying, we're inducing you. So I had to call my husband because he was home with Elaine. I had to call him and be like, sure. okay, get childcare ready. Let's go. <laughs> it's time to do this. Oh my goodness. So yeah. what were all of those emotions like with, oh, so you were grieving. All of a sudden you find out you're pregnant. Then you have a delivery and, you know, you have that gray cloud. Then all of a sudden you find out you're pregnant again. You have this joyous moment, but you're still, I mean, yeah. 
forever will be grieving. It'll just change and look yes. differently. But how yes. does that, and then all of a sudden you have this pregnancy that's ending in fireworks of craziness. Yeah. What were those emotions like? How did you handle all of that? Yeah, it was a lot. It was so hard. I feel like I'm very much like I'm good in the moment at handling sure. those things. But once things started to settle down, like especially whenever we got home with Avery, um, the postpartum after her was just so rough, so rough. And um, it was just very like I sought out additional counseling, like I had to go back to my OB a lot because I was just really struggling postpartum with anxiety and some depression. And um, and I just think, you know, so much hormone imbalance happened to me in a matter of 28 months with three pregnancies, the loss of a child, breastfeeding, pregnant again, breastfeeding again, like so many things. My yeah. body was just up, down, up, down, up, down. And so it was difficult. It was, I mean, I still like to, I still feel a little bit of like postpartum anxiety and depression now. And I'm like, I just recently stopped breastfeeding. So I'm like coming down from those hormones. I'm trying to get like my body to just like regulate again and, you know, try to like kind of continue on the grieving process. Cause like you said, that's not going to stop. Um, and so it was a lot, it's a lot to handle. And I am very in tune with myself and in tune with my body. And I'm not afraid to like go seek out the help I need or talk to someone about it and not really I think is an advantage that I have because I do know a lot of people who don't want to do that and don't want to talk about their emotions. They want to bottle it up. And I think that was something I learned with Blake is don't mm -hmm. bottle that up like anything, especially with these two other pregnancies, like you cannot bottle up those emotions. Pregnancy after loss, whether it be infant loss, a stillbirth, miscarriage, pregnancy after loss is so difficult and so scary. And, you know, there's just you have to be willing to seek out that help and care you need to take care of yourself. Um, and, you know, I was not afraid to tell my husband about my feelings and my emotions or my parents. And I wasn't afraid to call my doctor with them or call my therapist with them. And I mean, I sought help anytime I felt like I needed it because I want to be like the best version of myself. And every morning I wake up and I think, okay, you've got to do something today that's going to make your children proud. And until I had my other two daughters, it was do something today to make Blake proud. Even some days that was simply rolling out of bed and moving to the couch instead of my bed. Like some days it was so debilitating, you know, and so I try to live by that every single day and um you know that was just something that you have to tell yourself I feel like to kind of not get through it because you're never gonna get through it or get over it but something to help you to cope with it sure sure and just continue yeah. on that path forward yeah yep yeah yeah what would you I mean you've obviously done an amazing job of relying on professionals as far as mental you know just mental professionals as you're going through that you have an amazing support system with your husband and your family what would you say especially looking back in those early days and then looking at your life now what advice would you give to any parents that are going through this grieving process yeah um unfortunately i feel like once you become a part of this horrible club, you find more people that are becoming or have been in this horrible club. And so 
anytime I see someone starting this process or know of someone going through this, I think it's super important to just be there for them. Um, ask them about their children. Ask them, you know, if it was a miscarriage, ask them, do you know if it was a boy or girl? What would you have named? Like, ask them about their thoughts, their feelings towards it, their aspirations for what they had hoped for. Because I think, me personally, it helps me to talk about, like, you know, whenever we think about Blake, we think about the things we wanted to do with him. We think about, you know, what who he would have been and all of these things. And I love it when anyone reaches out to me and just saying, like, I was just thinking about you and Blake today. I was thinking about you, Tyler, and Blake today. I had this pop in my head and it reminded me of him. Like, anything like that is just so meaningful to me. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are scared because they don't want to upset the person and I understand that and you know maybe it does for some people but for me it's so helpful like to know that he's not been forgotten and to know that other people are thinking about who he was who he would have been and I mean I have friends who just randomly will be like Blake was on my heart today Blake was on my mind today I just wanted to tell you and I that goes miles with me I just appreciate it so much and or just the simple like you know, everyone, like whenever you have a baby, everyone's always like, what can I do for you? Can I yeah. come make you dinner? Can I come do your laundry? Can I come hold the baby so you can nap? Like that was helpful in the grieving process too, because like Tyler and I, we had lives to resume and I, with COVID, you know, it was a little different, but we still had like a home to come home to and take care of and things to do here. And you know, life doesn't stop for you to grieve your child, unfortunately, as it you feel like it needs to and it should, but it just doesn't. And so just those kind little things to know that you're being thought of and you're being cared for and we've not forgotten about your son even three years later to still get like a message from one of his nurses or one of his doctors or one of my friends or just anyone saying that, you know, we thought about you guys today or um, a lot of people in our community, we have a very small town know about Blake and his story and he's referred to as baby Blake in the community and we've held fundraising events and stuff and they'll just be like we, there's um a brick lane like little park for families yeah. who have lost children in our town oh and um he one of my best friends gave us a had us a brick for him there and so someone else one time their um son was had a brick nearby Blake's and um, their son was actually someone I graduated high school with. And um, she sent me a picture. And he was like, look, he's next to Blake. And it was just like little things like that are just so meaningful. And just saying their names. And I don't know. Yeah. That's what I like appreciate. Like, just don't let them know. Just don't let them think that you're, they forgot your child. Like, just make them know. Let them know that you're aware and that you're thinking of them. And let them talk about their baby. Yeah, yeah. So what were some of your favorite things about Blake when you got to have your special time with him? Oh my goodness. So he had the cutest little grin and smile. Oh. He had a very, very loud cry, but it was always so <laughs> like sweet still. We called it his little pterodactyl cry. It was very yes. high pitched and loud, but it was super sweet. Um, he was very snuggly. Putting him in all his cute little clothes was always so fun. Him and I, we mm -hmm. unfortunately spent a lot of time at um, doctor's offices and stuff, but I yeah. feel so 
fortunate to have been able to spend all that time with him and always be there for him. But at the doctor's office, he um, was just like this little charmer with the nurses. Like every nurse just had to, anytime he was there, they're like, we got to come hold Blake. And so they would hold him, walk him around the office and stuff. <laughs> and they loved playing with him. Um, yeah, he. I just, I loved taking care of him. I loved like having him in the bassinet next to me all night long and during the day playing with him. Um, we have like a little seat that he was able to sit up in. We're working on like, you know, his little head control and stuff. Sure. And yeah. And in the, when he was in the hospital, he um, was on a ventilator, but he was able to wake up a lot um, and look around. And so we would read books to him all the time. Like mm -hmm. I, they had a little library. I all day long would go back and forth, get new books, read books to him um we would play and like have him track and then he also loved um like when they would like somehow clean his teeth or clean his mouth not his teeth he didn't have teeth sure like the little gum the, the little yeah, gummy yeah, thing. yeah 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 oh, anytime they did that he would just like his eyes would like roll back in his head like oh that feels so good yes. <laughs> it was a cute I have the cutest video of him doing it um and then I think my favorite video of him is whenever we were in the hospital, I kept like bending down to kiss his nose and I go Mwah! like that, like really like playfully, yeah. audibly. And he would um, just give me like the cutest little smirk. And uh, I'll just, that's probably one of my favorite memories. The hospital wasn't a, obviously a fun place, but we sure. tried so hard to make it as nice as possible for him um, when it wasn't in a scary moment. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. A mama's boy through and through for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. So, okay. You, um, now you entered the world of, of infertility as an egg donor. You gave, you did six cycles. Absolutely amazing. You're a mama. Unfortunately, you're part of that club that no one wants to be a part of. Um, and I am so grateful that you sh do share your story about Blake. Tell us what you do now, because you have not left this world. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, I'm so grateful. I was actually just telling my husband um, a couple weeks ago how like it's so crazy that my one decision to become an egg donor has led me into a career helping others like, you know, fulfill their dreams of having children like it's just one decision that led me into this whole new career. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, so currently I work for a company called Progeny and they have, um, they administer like fertility benefits so that um, fertility can be more affordable for um, families trying to seek out whatever fertility care they may need. So it might be IVF, it might be egg donor usage, surrogate usage um IUI treatments things like that so um mm -hmm. I help members go through that process um I also help right now I'm in a role called an escalation specialist so I help deal with members who maybe aren't happy with something I can help manage that for them um yeah I love it though I am so grateful for it um I'm just grateful to be in this field I've learned so much since becoming in this field um from being an egg donor coordinator to now working on a little bit of a higher level with um, the company I'm with currently. And so I love it. I love seeing the different aspects of the field. I love helping families determine the path that's best for them. I love um, whenever I get like an email from a family, they're like, look at my little baby, my little oh. fertility baby. I'm like, oh, 
It's just, it makes your day. It really does. Yeah, it really does. It really does make your day. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, Holly, I have one final question for you. For anyone that knows me, they know that my true addiction is coffee. It just, and at the timing of, of this, it is the afternoon. So, you know, we're on cup number three, whether it's literally or figuratively, what filled your cup this morning? This morning, what filled my cup? I think what filled my cup was my daughter's, especially my daughter, Elena, this morning. She is being so sweet with her little sister right now that um, I was coming back into my kitchen and I caught them on the floor and Elena's just looking at her like this, like right nose to nose with her. And she didn't know I was walking in on them. And um, they're just playing on the floor. And then she just touches her little cheeks, like, so gently and softly and says, love you, sissy. And I was just like, oh, my oh. gosh. <laughs> and she's just oh being, like, the cutest little girl with her sister right now and so sweet with her. She's got the biggest heart, and her personality mm. is really shining through. And so that, like, really just, like, made my day. Oh, that makes my Right now my girls my girls are 10 and 8 and um they uh they love each other but they sometimes forget of course, of course. <laughs> i had an older sister who was only a year and a half for me oh. too so i get it yeah yeah exactly it's it, those little moments i like into my videos but i'm like see you really did like each other i promise <laughs> exactly exactly yeah yeah we're a little nervous for the day that you know that might happen because i'm sure it will but We'll deal. Well, yeah, but then when they have those sweet moments, they're all the more sweeter because you're like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so cute. It's so cute. Well, Holly, I really, I seriously just so appreciate you sharing your story as an egg donor, sharing your story as a mama and hearing more about Blake and, you know, just what you do now. So thank you so much. Is there anything that our listeners um, can do? What? How would you want us to celebrate Blake? Oh my goodness. That is so sweet. Um, please just think about us in the upcoming week, week and a half as his angel anniversary is on its way on April 7th. Um, and if you know someone who's experienced a child loss, infant loss, um, pregnancy loss, please reach out to them, tell them you're thinking about them. I think that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you again. I so appreciate you and um, just have a wonderful day and give our love to everybody and um, in your family. Thank you so much, Whitney. I appreciate it. Have a good yeah, day. Yeah. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. You have just finished listening to an episode of Me, You, and Who. To find out more about Egg Donor and Surrogate Solutions, go to www.createahappyfamily.com.